Welcome to an original series, the podcast celebrating our favorite TV shows behind the paywall. I'm Patch, one of your co-hosts, and with me celebrating the world of long-form storytelling is my friend and co-host, Adam. Hello, Patch. How's it going? It is good. Good to be back with you. Good to be back on the digital pitch, as we will be, (laughs) as we continue our journey in Ted Lasso Season 1. We are on Season 1, Episode 8, entitled The Diamond Dogs. That's right. And uh, being from the natural state where the diamond is the official gem, if uh-huh. I hadn't seen this episode, I would have probably thought maybe they're making a trip back over to the set of the pond. I didn't think that because that's crazy. If you were going to come back over here, you wouldn't go to Arkansas. If you were going to be <laughs> doing, doing an episode of Dead Last, you wouldn't be coming to Arkansas. You'd probably go to Kansas, but not Arkansas. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Good episode for me. I thought it was uh, solid. I think it, it ranks up there. For one particular scene, I think it ranks up there with episode five for me as, as one of my favorites, but we'll definitely get into that. We'll start out outside the clubhouse and we find Nate under the bus as he was at the beginning of the last episode, only we get a little switcheroo. He's actually in there intentionally because he didn't <laughs> want to miss the bus. So Yeah, he's, he was quite hungover and I think he knew he wasn't going to wake up unless he was already in the bus. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I guess, I mean, thinking ahead, Nate, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, are they back at Richmond at this point? No, this, at this point, they're still, they're basically packing up to leave okay. the hotel, I guess, okay. and head, head back. That's right. Cause, cause the, cause the scene shifts to the hotel rooms. That's right. Re- yeah. Rebe- <laughs> Rebecca's slowly trying to sneak away. And then she realizes, wait, this is my room and tells the dude that she's right with to, to get out. <laughs> And this answers the question that we had at the end of the last episode where we were mm-hmm. saying, does he, does she hook up with that, that young waiter dude that she was like eyeing across the room? And clearly she, she did um, because here they are in this, in Rebecca's room. Yes. But he's, he's fast asleep <laughs> and yeah, she kicks him out. Yeah. He's not fast asleep when she just yells, yeah. get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we switch over to Sassy and Ted, which is definitely not the same kind of reaction sassy's waking up slowly ted is kind of i don't know if he's sitting there or i forget if he's sitting there or if he's like oh you're you're waking up but he's all dressed and ready to go yeah he's fully dressed he's i think he even has like his backpack on like he's packed and ready to go he's just sitting there like watching her sleep which is sweet and a little creepy yeah (laughs) the same time creepy and she kind of wakes up (laughs) and he's like yeah i got you a coffee and i made sure you had a late checkout so just take your time and and then he just kind of leaves and obviously he has to get the bus so he can't even if he and sassy had like connected and wanted to have breakfast clearly ted needs to get back with his team so um it is a sort of awkward scene because i think she even says have you been up for a while he's like um hour two you know i guess three hours total (laughs) i don't know (laughs) he's clearly an early riser yes and she doesn't uh, She doesn't let him go without telling him that she is going to go back to sleep. And when she wakes up, she's going to order a huge breakfast on his, his tab. That's and right. like Ted does, he says, that, that's a pro move right there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll be your underheels anytime. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. yeah. 
Yeah, and he just kind of he kind of just uh, walks towards the camera to exit the room, and he kind of makes this kind of panicked expression, and it kind of cuts to the credits from there. That's yep. the uh, the cold open. That's the cold open, but the uh, the awkwardness continues as they get off the bus, yeah. and uh, Ted wants to talk to Beard. He wants to tell him about this little secret that he's got, and Beard recognizes that something's bothering him because he said. You didn't say a word on the bus ride. It was five hours long. And that's uh, yeah, that's a new record. Five hours. <laughs> that's five hours longer than you normally do. So, and especially as we've discussed this on every episode, almost especially early on, how he can't stop talking. He needs to fill those empty silences with something. And so, for him on a bus where there's tons of people around him, you know, ready to listen and captive, that's very um, unusual for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he. he he, he he tells him, and then <laughs> Beard says, so do you want to talk about it? Yes, I absolutely do. And then they just walk away. And the uh, the episode takes us into the training room. This is another one of those episodes. It's got quick movements, very, very efficient with, with information, very quick with, okay, we're going to get to the uh, to the meat of the episode. So we move into the training room, and here's another kind of one-on-one with Keely and Roy. Roy's getting a a massage on his, uh, I guess it's a whole body massage, but the masseuse is about to work on his legs. It's so funny. She, <laughs> Keely wants to talk to Roy and she's like, can she hear me? And he's like, no, 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 she can't. <laughs> and then you hear her respond like she was only 23. And Keely's like, <laughs> what is she listening to? He goes, murder podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. This is normal for her. This is the relationship yeah. that Roy and his masseuse have. And I like how, uh, it's when she first comes in, she says something about how, isn't this, a, isn't this the haunted room, the haunted treating room? And he's just like, no, we sorted that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just that. a matter of fact. Yeah. It's a yeah. matter of fact about everything. <laughs> yeah. So she's actually being the bigger person here. And she tries to invite him to coffee in which he says, I can't, I'm busy. And she really thinks he's blowing her off. Yeah. And so uh, then he says, the scene finishes with him saying, Right, I'm going to have to ask you to leave because she's about to go to town on my hamstrings and I make a lot of noises and I don't like people hearing my noises. And then we hear the weird noises. <laughs> absolutely king. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. Roy is the is the king of yes. uh, of nonverbal communication or maybe just audio communication and not, not words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And expressions and sounds. Yeah, all of it. The the grunt or growl makes a lot of uh, <laughs> metaphorical and literal <laughs> yeah. noise in this episode, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we move to Ted's office and got to point out a couple of things. Higgins in casual dress, not in a suit. thought yeah. that was kind of cool. Yep. And uh, Nate seems to be gagging every 30 seconds because he's hung over. But there are moments in the scene that really kind of trigger that more than anything else. And it's when they get triggered that I think are just so funny. And uh, it, it just, it's a great little comic beat throughout the, throughout the scene where Nate just goes, <laughs> either yeah. responding to something or just he's sick. Yeah. Holding a trash can under his face, you know, the whole time. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> he's not doing well. He clearly doesn't go out and party that way very often. Uh, probably the rest of the team more so. <laughs> I guess we would say he's a cheap date by American yeah. standards. <laughs> yeah. And the whole scene is really set up by Ted venting his kind of awkward night with Sassy. He basically says, I slept with a woman hours after I signed my divorce papers, which was a 
you know, hour after I had this mental breakdown, what is going on with me? And it's so neat to see the three perspectives between Higgins, Beard, and Nate giving him kind of a pep talk and a in your face kind of, hey, it's it's okay. It's absolutely yeah. okay to feel this way. And I think I think he's partially just upset because he he as he says he admits he's not someone that usually has a one night stand. This is not who he is as a as a person. So I think he's grappling with that all by itself. But I think Beard says it best. He's like, Did you have fun? And he's like, Yeah, yeah. Well then there you go, you know. <laughs> it's, right. It's okay. Yeah. And each person in their own way gives him their perspective, but leading to the same answer, which is like, it's okay, Ted. My favorite is, I believe, when Nate says, Time to get you some of these. What, scissors? Yeah, to cut yourself some slack. And everybody's like, that was good. That, yep. was, that was what Ted would say. He's rubbing yep. off. Nate's giving him some great advice. And what we have is the formation of, ding, the Diamond Dogs. Yeah, it's a great scene when they're trying to figure out, well, first of all, Ted kind of kicks it off by saying, I, you know, this is great, guys, you know. Uh, you guys are my, you, you guys are Ted Lasso's personal dilemma squad. And I think, um, they all agree that wasn't, it wasn't quite working. Uh, he then suggests the, the EQ warriors and then Beard suggests the, uh, the Knights of support. My but favorite, Higgins, by the way. Yeah. But Higgins rightfully says it sounds like a jock strap. <laughs> so, uh, he suggests the proud boys, which it, has a different meaning here in the U S in which Nate <laughs> so, actually throws up at that point. He gags yeah. That that's one. what he vomits, which yes. is sort of perfect timing. Right. And then inside the trash can, Nate of all the people is the one that says, what about the diamond dogs? <laughs> <laughs> and there we got the title of the episode. Title of the episode. So good. Yep. I think for me, watching this formation reminded me a lot of the kinds of friendships that I had growing up in high school. Did you have a group of friends like this that were kind of like your your gang, your boys that you kind of leaned in? And if you had lady troubles or if you guys were trying to figure stuff out in your in your youth that you yeah, had yeah, guys yeah. that you could bounce ideas off of? Yeah, there were two and sometimes a third guy that would kind of be a part of our little our crew and yeah we did everything together in like 11th and 12th grade that's awesome and yeah it was it was great yeah we had we had a group um, my buddy aaron was part of it we called ourselves the tap brotherhood oh. <laughs> and it originated from one of our friends who started dating this girl who became his wife but we found that he was spending a lot of time with her and not a lot of time with his guys and we jokingly made up this club called the tap brotherhood and tap stood for teenagers against possession and when we told people what it's what that was we're like wait you mean like drugs like oh yeah definitely against drugs we don't want to possess <laughs> drugs but really what it means is we're not going to be possessed by girls and I, <laughs> it was so stupid but it i thought you were saying like uh you know this is um you know, against demonic possession or something. Well, that too, you know, as, <laughs> as, as believers, as, as Christians, we were like, yeah. definitely not, uh, not for uh, demon possession, but the exorcist. Yeah. So yeah. it had multiple meanings, but it originated from, from that concept of like, look, <laughs> I guess it would be a pre bros before hose kind of thing, <laughs> there but, you go. Yeah. but we weren't really, doing that at the time. Yeah. but honestly, Adam, it became this really cool friendship between myself and these four other guys that 
we would, um, you know, we would call each other and we would say, Hey, what's going on? And we're, I'm struggling with this. And we'd get a chance to just hang out and that wouldn't be the topic of conversation, but it would come up and we really just sort of connect over something else. Like we go bowling or watch a movie or sure. or play uh, golden eye, which I sucked at. And those are usually the times when I got to talk because I sucked. And that was a good excuse for me to, you know, to suck is that, Oh yeah, I was just talking about my relationship with this current girlfriend. That's yeah. I wasn't concentrating. So that's why I was terrible. But in reality, I was just terrible at the game. I digress. So yeah, I had, I had that group as well. Uh, I still have, we got business cards made like little laminated cards. I think (laughs) I still have them somewhere. I'll I'll have to see if I can find them and and show them to you, but, but yeah, it was cool. And yeah, I, I can see a group like this forming out of something like this. I love that they're all supportive of it, both right. literally and figuratively, but they all believe in the idea. So it's very cool. Yeah. I, it's funny because it, I just thought of this as you were talking, how what we would do is we would all drive to the video store, which was, I think it was called West Coast Video. We didn't have a blockbuster where I, where I grew up, but uh, we would just go there and just spend hours like looking at tapes and, re- and just t- that's where we talked. We kind of hung out there and that's where we had our conversations and, you know, solved our problems or whatnot. So yeah, everyone had that. Everyone needs that, right? Everyone needs that, that their crew, their, their go-to people where they can, can just feel like they won't be judged and you can have, it's a, that it's a safe space to, to talk about whatever's going on, good and bad. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Co-sign all that. The show then takes us to Keeley. At her home, I think this is the first, well, maybe it's the second time we see her at her home, which is a nice flat or a nice, I don't know what it is, but it's a nice place. It might be a house. It's really nice. Yeah. It is. It's it's really nice. It, that's two levels. It's good stuff. I yeah. guess she does her job well <laughs> as a yeah. as an agent. <laughs> and the first thing we see is her thumbing through her phone. I noticed Roy's emoji, like his his personal emoji. <laughs> I didn't catch it. What was it? I didn't know. It was it was, I think, a smiley face, but it had the expletive, like tape over his oh. mouth, and I was like, "Yeah, that's that's clearly Roy," but yeah. she's looking at the thing and she hasn't gotten any responses back from him. And so, like anybody, I felt this way when I'm like, I'm sending text messages to people and I don't get responses. I'm like, "Okay, I probably I, did, I said something wrong," <laughs> and I don't realize that they might be busy, like that I'm not the center of their world. <laughs> And then Jamie stops by just, just wanting to talk. And this is one of those really interesting moments that echoed back, I think a couple of episodes ago where he was talking to her in front of his car. He essentially apologized. He said, you know, I was a jerk and I didn't realize what I had until it was gone. And he, he's not, he really isn't trying to get back together with her. No, no. He, but he does thank her for everything she had done for him. I think that was very mature of him. It shows that something has changed in him and we haven't seen him in maybe two episodes. Right. I think yeah, since he was uh, returned to man city, but he clearly is still upset with Ted. He blames Ted for his leaving when Keely tries to defend Ted, which I thought was interesting. Well, and, and it's funny because she never gets a chance to do that. She said, she gives him a facial expression. Like, really? You really believe that? And I, I caught that this time around going, he still thinks after, this episode that Ted's responsible. So there's still unresolved things here that, that Keely didn't set his mind at ease. Right. But for him, the, the moment that stood out to me in this scene was when he basically said, you taught me not to get in my own way so much. And this comes after he is still Jamie, where he is acknowledging the fact that he's still great. (laughs) 
but that he's more aware of his limitations and how he can control those, how he can get beyond those, which I think is essentially kind of a follow-up to that conversation where she says, you're great, but sometimes your greatness gets in the way of letting other people help you. And I think this is really his way of saying, you're right, Keely, and I appreciate it. And so the scene ends with them sleeping together. There's a funny moment where he says, oh, so that's how you get sex by not asking for it. And yeah, like, because he actually says, okay, I'm going to go now. Like he doesn't, he doesn't think anything's going to happen, nor is he, does he try. He just wanted to say what he ha had to say, and then he's going to leave. And then that sort of gets her a little turned on, I guess, and says, hey, do you want to come in and have a drink? And he's like, does that mean... Does that mean we're going to have sex? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a funny scene. Yeah. And, and normally that would make me kind of roll my eyes because I'm like, okay, is this how, you know, this is how a lot of scenes can end. And I'm like, Ugh, what a waste. But we find out later that this is actually a plot point. This actually actually it just comes back around, yeah. which I thought was really strategic, you know, very, very yeah. clever. Um, again, no wasted scenes. We then move into Rebecca's office. I think it's the next day. Yeah, it's the next morning. Yeah, because he's bringing the usual biscuits, but this morning he also brings her chocolate truffles. Yes. And she uh, makes them into a little breakfast sandwich, uh, which Ted suggests that she does, where she puts the truffle between two biscuits. And she's like, oh, it's just so delicious, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> what I think is funny is watching her eat that. It's such a contrast to her elegance, where yeah. she's just kind of stuffing her face with this yeah. biscuit. And these truffles, and she's like, oh, my gosh, you know, talking with her mouth full. Yeah, and she clearly can't wait for this, for the arrival of these of these treats every morning. It's become a big part of her day. <laughs> and uh, there's this great banter between the two of them, very, very light. You know, he's not trying to lean into asking her, you know, first concert, best concert, that kind of thing. He's clearly gotten to a rhythm with her where he's fine giving her biscuits and then taking off. You know, he reminds her that, of how encouraged he was, how grateful he is and says, if there's anything I can do for you, he does that whole metaphorical <laughs> conversation. And he finishes by saying, look, I'm basically here for you if you need anything. And she tells him, Hey, if you could, why don't you come down to the pub with me and you can meet the milk sisters who own 2.9% of the club. And he says, I'm going to round that down to two. Then I can call those gals the 2% milks. And she goes, they're just absolutely going to love you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And this uh, is the first and... of many milk-themed puns in this oh episode. Gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Look, as someone who loves dad jokes and loves puns, I was I was kind of living with Rebecca after all those. Yeah. I was like, come on. Okay. This is, this is – you're hitting the threshold, dude. Yeah. <laughs> So then we're back in the press room and Keely is actually following through with what we've seen her do in earlier episodes where she's getting to know some of the players. She's asking what they want to endorse. And we get a chance to really see some of these supporting characters that we've heard from. And we get a piece of their personality. As we said before, she wants to connect them with things that they can either relate to, that they like. One of them says that he likes Air Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sam says that he wants to do like anti-pollution, you know, social. Yeah. He let, he wants issue oriented products that, that are like pro environment or anti-pollution. Yeah. He clearly has a more selfless approach to this. He wants to do good by endorsing good products. And I think it's Isaac. He just yes. likes ro Rolos. Yes. That's it. Rolos. 
<laughs> yeah. Cannot uh, argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't know what you, I, I, I kind of like milk duds more than Rolos, but they're both great. See, the thing about milk duds though, is they get stuck in your teeth. Like if they you do. try to eat one during an endorsement, during a commercial, you're, you're done. <laughs> you just can't do yeah. that. You can suck on milk duds. You can suck on longer though. They last a little longer. Yeah. But I don't think they're made to be sucked on. I think you have to chew on them. And eventually, I don't know. We're going to have to agree <laughs> to disagree on that one, Adam. All right. Would that would that be your endorsement as Milk Duds? Would you endorse Milk Duds? I mean, if someone wanted me to endorse Milk Duds, <laughs> I wouldn't say no. No. <laughs> if we were limiting it limiting it to candy, I guess Milk yeah. Duds would be your thing. Yeah. I would I would probably do Junior Mints. I like Junior Mints mm. quite a bit, and if I could have them with popcorn, that's usually what my go to movie experience is. If I get food, it's usually Junior Mints and popcorn because it's a great sweet and salty type thing. Yeah, I mean, overall, I'm not a huge sweets person. I like I am a salty snack. I like chips and pretzels and things like that. That's more my my lane. But if you're I out like there listening, Keely, yeah. uh, we need Rolled Gold to contact yeah. Adam, and he will gladly endorse the pretzels there, <laughs> <laughs> or this spot for this podcast. All right, yeah, we're we're looking for any kind of sponsors that would <laughs> that would yeah. want to be part of this. So. <laughs> Check us out. Yep. <laughs> An original series.com. Contact us, please. <laughs> <laughs> so after these guys leave, Roy comes in. He asks her out to a movie and she's like, what the heck is going on here? She's completely confused. Yeah. And this is where he basically wants to do things differently. This is a moment that we get Roy being the sensitive Roy, the Roy that we see with his niece, who is who can be tender. It's so great that they're being honest with each other. I love the way that when Keely admits that she slept with Jamie and he goes, yeah, I knew that. So no, I mean, last night and he, he gets mad and he's like, don't embarrass me like that. I don't want to be like that. And do you think I'm stupid? And she goes, no, or she's, I can't remember what she says or what he says, but she goes, no, like really defensively. And then she goes, no, no. And then she goes, yes. And, and that series of no's and then the yes really bring to light the fact that she wants to be honest with him too. And maybe you can remember, I cannot remember what precedes that, but I just remember her reaction to it. It was just so good. And it said to me, Keely wants this to work just like he does. And so they're sort of in this tension right now. And then he walks away growling like he yeah, does. Just grunting and growling, as we said. He's just, uh, that's, uh, uh, just yeah. pissed. Yeah. But that's that's why, as you said, this Keely sleeping with Jamie last night was for a reason. It was for it, it. It was for this plot point so that there was something additional that they had to deal with. And uh, it also opens Roy up for to be a little more emotional and open to some help, some support advice from the diamond dogs. And that's where we are back in Ted's office, bringing his love triangles to Ted or his love triangle troubles to Ted. Yes. <laughs> Ted realizes mm -mm, can't do this alone. And so he basically sends out a bat signal <laughs> and within that's like right. 30 seconds. They're all in. And they all seem to know what's going on. That's the other thing. I don't know if yeah. Ted texted them what was happening or if they just kind of saw the, you know, if they, if they could see the, the chemistry and what's been going on between Roy and Keely, it, it's probably a little of both, but yeah, yeah. it's great. 
Yeah. And, and the big thing, you know, after they're all talking to him and he's kind of receiving all this, the one line that stood out to me is where I think Ted says, don't let her past muck around with your future. And there's dialogue back and forth. And finally he said, Beard, bring it home. And Beard says, grow up and get over it. Yeah. And Ted goes, the diamond dogs have struck again. And then Higgins <laughs> go, or they all go, <laughs> that's one thing that we did not have in the tap brotherhood is some kind of like call after we no. solved a problem, <laughs> maybe because we didn't solve problems. We just talked, but right. I wish I would have, I wish we would have had that growing up. <laughs> but Roy leaves, I think so angry that he got, I think he's just as angry that he had to go to them for advice as he is about the situation with Jay with Jamie and Keely, but I think he, he took something away from that, from that yeah. conversation. Well, yeah. We find out that he does. Yeah. And it serves as, as comic relief, but I think it serves to show that Roy's open to hearing things, even if he feels like on the surface, they're absolutely stupid and right. he'll voice how stupid they, they are. But I think just like any human being hearing perspectives from others, helps us process things a little differently. Yeah. Um, as I told you this week, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and I expressed the way that I was feeling and he was able to put some different words to my feelings to help me really kind of understand what, what I was feeling so I could translate them a little bit better. And I think that's the kind of conversation that the diamond dogs are giving is all three of these guys, all four of these guys are telling Roy essentially the same thing in their own different way. That's what friends do. And yeah. that's why we need significant friends, not necessarily 12 or 13 or 15, but really maybe three or four that come from different walks of life, different personalities, different backgrounds. They can provide that kind of perspective so that we can really process that in a, in a healthier way. And so I believe that, and I know this because I've seen the rest of the episode, but I believe <laughs> that at this point, Roy is really starting to understand, okay, my honesty needs to have some humility behind it too. Mm -hmm. And if I really want this, I've got to be able to swallow my pride and, and get over this. Yeah. And so we'll get to that, but not before we go to the pub. Yeah. Where, as you mentioned, the puns, the milk puns are going crazy. <laughs> Rebecca is about to walk out. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing that stops her is seeing Rupert and Bex. And I put in my notes, dun, dun. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but Bex is played by an actress named Keely, same as Keely in the show, um, named Keely, Keely Haxel. And she happens to be dating Jason Sudeikis right now in real life. Oh. That actress. I don't know if you know that. So listeners, by right now, we mean when this episode is being recorded, which could be months from now when you listen to it. Or Very true. Yeah. So... <laughs> They have dated in the past or present and or future. <laughs> if you go back in time, they will yeah. have been dating in the future. <laughs> exactly. This is not that kind of podcast. <laughs> that's interesting though. It's just, yeah. you know, you got, you got Ted dating Bex and that's, that messes up my world, man. I don't yeah. like that. And that her name, the actress's name is Keely spelled the same way. Jeez. So Ted's dating <laughs> Keely, known as Bex. No, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm just. I think I'm I just confused, confused everybody. So, so yeah. back to the milk puns. Yeah, uh, he asks uh, <laughs> if Rebecca has ever seen the movie 
uh, Bridget Jones's dairy. And I think she he says, sorry, that was not my breast milk pun instead of best milk pun. Yeah, so he'd had he had him. Yeah, you you were right. They were getting a little, a little bad. Well, I I was fine with it until, <laughs> until Rupert tells Rebecca that the milk sisters aren't coming, and he goes, "Oh no, did they expire?" And I'm like, "Ted, get out right now, <laughs> get out. That's enough." <laughs> and so what we come to find out is that Rupert has actually loaned Bex the money to buy the 2.9 percent minority shares in the right. team. Because he's not allowed, as per their settlement, I guess, divorce settlement, to own anything. Right. But she is, and they are also now engaged, which is something we find out in this scene. So that obviously is not something that Rebecca, uh, our Rebecca, not Beck's Rebecca, wants to hear at all because um, they have been dating for, what, a couple weeks? I don't know. It's ridiculous. So clearly, I think Rupert's using her in some way to get back at Rebecca, Mm -hmm. but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a really, he's got his own machinations in at play, just as Rebecca has been trying to sort of tank the team to get back at Rupert. Rupert has his own, his own plan. Yeah. Well, and two things happen. One, Bex makes a student loan comment, which shows her age, unless you live in America and you're living with student loans until you're like 50. So whatever, (laughs) but yeah, he also, in this scene really shows how much of an arse he can be in all honesty. Like he is deliberately being mean. Like he's not beating around the bush. He's not being passive aggressive. Like he is being mean. He is saying things to her that are deliberate, that are essentially right in her face. And I think this is by design because of what we start seeing later on. Ted's starting to get frustrated with him. Right. And it's almost as if Ted's, her her corner man if she's a boxer and he's like let's let's take let's take a breath here let's let's see what's going to happen yeah and we actually get a breath where we get back to the press room which is serving as keely's office and i love that she says i have this box here so if the press room ever needs to be used i can just slide all this stuff in it and leave yeah <laughs> but um but this is where roy comes in and he tells her just straight up I like you more than I hate him. That would probably sum up how he feels. Then they go through that great set of dialogue where they do this mock press conference and she pretends to be from what the women's independent, the women's independent magazine, the women independent Sunday insert online edition. And it's this great flirting. Yeah. And I love how he walks into the room and he just says, you know, he says he's done being mad about Jamie, and, and he says, I'm a grown man. I'm not a baby child. I'm over it. <laughs> That's basically what <laughs> one of the Diamond Dogs said to him. Like, don't be a baby, you know, just yeah. grow up. So he kind of just regurgitated what they told him. Yeah. And it sounds ridiculous when he says, I'm not a baby child. <laughs> <laughs> like, he understands what they're saying, but doesn't really know yeah. how to retranslate he, it. He can't, like, yeah, he has no communication skills, but he does get the point. So he's trying to say what they said to him, but it just doesn't quite come out. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, It comes out in a very Roy way, which is great, but uh, yeah, but it's a great scene. They, they ultimately do agree to go out on a date at at the end of the scene. Yeah. I don't think we know where, I think it's more than coffee. I think he wants, she agrees to dinner. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Coffee seems a little bit like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So the scene ends and then we're, then we're back in the pub with the Mm -hmm. Rs Rupert. 
Um, Everyone's cheering for him because he's bought them around, yes. and they're all drinking out of like you know glass boots. Which I thought was fantastic. I mean, yeah. wow, that's huge. Literally yeah. and metaphorically, it's huge. And yeah. then we get to the dart competition. I put in my notes, amazing. I think yeah. this is probably the most surprising couple of scenes that, uh, that we see here. I think, honestly, this is the first time I remember ever seeing Ted completely hustle someone and yeah. know exactly yeah. what he's going to be doing. Like, this is like the long con <laughs> for... <laughs> In a lot of ways, Rupert, he tries to muscle Ted by showing him his darts like, oh, I forgot I had these. Yeah, he has this like beautiful, like kind of ornate kit in his pocket that he just carries around with him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ted says, after throwing a dart and sort of missing the mark with his right hand, or yeah, he says, oh, I forgot I was left handed, throws the dart with his left hand and, you know, gets close to the bullseye. (laughs) Ted and I are both left-handed. That's I gotta, something I share with Ted. I got a Princess Bride vibe. You know, I am not left-handed. Yes. You know? yeah. yes. <laughs> I thought, is, this, is this a page taken out of the Princess Bride? I hope it is, because yep. if it is, that'd be, that'd be amazing. I kind of wanted the scene to stay here, but then it cuts over to Keely and Roy. They're, they're walking, I guess, uh, next to the Tims, or they're wa- just taking a walk in the, on the street. Yeah. Yeah, Keely is still a little insecure about, you know, why didn't you text me back? This is this is kind of weird. And he goes, I was busy. And she goes, yeah, but what were you busy with? And he was just kind of hesitating. She goes, was it another girl? Because I, I just, I really don't want to be embarrassed. And he's like, no. And then he explains that he takes a yoga class and he goes into this whole long, like 15 yeah. second diatribe about how. It was yoga, okay? I do yoga with a group of women in their 60s. They've no idea who I am. It's twice a week and it's really good for my core. Normally only takes an hour, but Maureen's just been going through a divorce and she needed to talk about it and blow off some steam. We all ended up at GAY till 2 a.m. and then we had crepes and balams with some drag queens. <laughs> Watching him tell that story and just how uncomfortable it feels to tell that story is priceless. And you can tell that Keely's like, this guy is adorable yeah. and I want to be with him. Yeah. And he ends that whole, that whole diatribe. He's just like, it's private. <laughs> You know, it's like, and yeah, and and then they they kiss again on the street, which is great. Uh, but a photographer, a paparazzi photographer, uh, snaps a shot of them kissing. So uh, I love how Roy just marches over to him, and it's like takes the memory card out of the camera, throws it to Keely, and says, "Here, pictures of our first date." <laughs> and then they leave, and Roy says that he's going to cook her dinner, which I thought was sweet because yeah. she kept saying, "Where are we going? You know, where are you taking me?" And and that's uh, that's going to be their first date. Chateau Leroy, that's where you want. Yeah. Chateau Leroy, best in best in Richmond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we get to go back to the pub to see yes, the outcome do. of the the dart competition, which mm-hmm. I don't know if we mentioned, but originally they were going to bet. I think. Uh, 10,000 pounds, that's what Rupert wanted to bet, but clearly that's more than Ted has to, uh, maybe maybe uh, Rebecca could have sort of backed him, but Ted, you know, Ted decided to use this as an opportunity, this competition, to, to make a wager that would help Rebecca. And this wager was that if Rupert won, that he would get to pick the starting lineup for the last two games of the season, which I think are the next two games. I think we're near the end of the season. Yeah. And if Ted won that Rupert would not be allowed to go anywhere near the owner's box or Rebecca 
uh, even if he does marry Bex and have uh, a small uh, stake in in the club again. So it, it's clearly this is for Rebecca to help her out. And uh, yeah, they. I think he says to, you know, clearly Rupert is very good at darts, and Ted. I think asks the barmaiden, you know, what do I need what to win? She's like two, I think two twenties and a bullseye. Is that what it was? Two Something triples like and a bullseye. Two triples and a bullseye. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when he tells this great story about how people have underestimated him his entire life. And he basically admits that he played darts every Sunday with his father at a sports bar between the ages of 10 and 16 when his father passed away, which that's to me the thing I took away from this scene is that we finally get a little more insight to his childhood and what happened to his father. We haven't heard anything that I can remember up until this point. And it, as we've said, a lot of who Ted is probably stems from his father and his upbringing. So it's yeah. interesting to, to find out that his father died when he was only 16. Mm-hmm. That speech is probably my favorite speech in the series so far, and probably yeah. one of the best that I've seen on television. Because what it does is highlights the concept of being curious. That's what he talks yeah. about. He, he wasn't saying that anybody's bad, but he said, look, curiosity leads to good things. And if you don't bother to be curious, you miss out on finding out more about people. And that's when he goes in, like, for instance... Yeah. If you'd asked me if, you know, if you'd asked me if I'd played darts before, I'd tell you. <laughs> I yeah. played every Sunday with my dad. And of course, he throws the dart, gets that first, the first triple. Yeah. And as he goes through that, of course, he gets the second. And then he finally gets the bullseye. And I just love how he's so confident. Yeah. He's like, he knows he's going to get each and every one of those. That's, that's sort of the brilliance of the scene. Yes, he was arrogant, but it was because he was, he's legitimately good at this and he knows he's good and like you said everyone underestimates him and they have his entire life and rupert underestimated him as well probably thinking here comes this you know this hillbilly from the u.s and there's no way he can be good at darts and clearly he underestimated ted in that regard so it's a, yeah it's a great scene and it's a it's like a crowd pleaser and all of a sudden everyone who was cheering for rupert before because he was buying them a round of drinks now everyone's cheering for Ted and Rebecca. And he kind of says, I, he, I think he whispers to Rebecca and she's like, all right, a round for the, you know, round on everybody, you know, for, for me, for everybody. And, and everyone cheers. So yeah, it was a great scene again for them bonding further, Ted and Rebecca. And also I think if, if he hasn't already, he's definitely won over those bar super fans that uh, he constantly sees and used to call him a wanker. I think. Yeah. They've, they're seeing him in a, in a new light now. Yeah. He's not a goof. Like he knows yeah. what he's doing. Right. I mean, there's a confidence there that I don't think they trusted because all they saw was him at the pub Yeah, and on the pitch and yeah. not in, in real like live competition with the former owner of FC Richmond. So I think you're exactly right. This is a turning point for, for fans, at least the, the ones in the bar that we get to see more of. Right. And, and it was really, really good. I love Rebecca's reaction when Ted gets a bullseye. She's just smiling and just incredibly like, wow, I cannot believe this just happened. And she, I think she underestimated him too. That's another thing we haven't really mentioned is that I think she really sees, wow, maybe this guy is so much more than I ever thought he was, even in that moment, right? 
because not only was he skilled at darts, which she had no idea, but he clearly did this for her, you know, to, to help her with the situation with Rupert. So it just, I think this is a huge turning point for them. Yeah. There's definitely a sense of her seeing a method to his madness. Yeah. And she probably wonders, well, maybe he does know what he's doing on the pitch as well, <laughs> even though he's admitted that he doesn't know much about the game. And if you're curious, 10,000 pounds equates to about $13,000. So that would be quite the right sum now, of money. Right now. Maybe not when this episode is being heard. Right. The exchange the rate can or, change. <laughs> yeah. If you're in the future or in the past, it, it yeah, will probably it not be the be same as more it is or less. right now. Just know that it's 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 expensive. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of money. And so we are now on the pitch uh, with this fantastic, I don't know, almost like a high school celebratory thing for Rebecca. Uh, I think Ted gets um, Higgins involved and he gets the team to spell out hi boss whenever she comes to the door or window. And he goes, I can't hear you. What did you say? He goes, hi, Ted. And everybody <laughs> yeah. starts screaming. It's, it's so juvenile, but so great. And, and she laughs, which is great. She rarely <laughs> laughs and she just thinks it's funny. And yeah, she definitely feels like she's becoming part of the team again. And unfortunately this then leads into a separate conversation with Higgins Mm-hmm. where he has some bad news where he informs yeah. her that they haven't sold 10,000 seats for that, for the final match of the season. And uh, that's, that's a lot of seats. So. It is. So, so I want to, I want to point this out that yeah. the episode, it would be appropriate for the episode to end with high boss and then yeah. cut right to the credits. But it's interesting that a show that makes you feel good also leaves you feeling a little bit tense. And this last scene was both surprising and unsurprising. Because as you said, we get back into her office, she finds out about the tickets, and then she says, just release them to the visitor section. Which would be Man City, because that yes. that's the team that they would be playing. So yeah. uh, that pisses Higgins off, of course. <laughs> so. Well, we, what's interesting is that it's her reaction to it. She said, this is going to piss Rupert off bad. And Higgins gets a spine. Mm-hmm. He basically says, I'm done. This is stupid. And she's like, what? And they go through this whole dialogue really about kind of getting honest with each other. I think this is another episode that's all about honesty. And she, you know, he tells her, you won't take away your pain by constantly punishing Rupert. And she's like, where were these morals when you were having lunches with me so Rupert could have sex in our house? They're both at fault. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was clearly an, an enabler for Rupert. Was he scared that he would lose his job if he didn't do these things for him? And he's got four boys and a wife and had a cat. And, you know, he, he, he clearly did things wrong, as you said, and he is responsible for his actions. But um, unfortunately, he's trying. It seems like Higgins is trying to, to change who he is now and to move past th- that behavior. Right. And he ends up quitting. And I put that like a question mark in my notes because he leaves. But as he's leaving, she says, Oh, I know how this goes. You'll come back, grovel for your job, and I'll take you back. But I will make your life just that little bit worse. And he leaves. Yeah. Shuts the door. And there's like a three-second beat. (laughs) And then the door is, you know, somebody knocks on the door and she's like, yep, here he is. And here comes Keely. And Keely's mad. And I think she shows the picture from the phone. She's just holding her phone, just 
walks straight up to the desk, holding her phone towards Rebecca. And you can see that picture uh, that the paparazzi photographer took of her and Ted earlier in the season when she was on that, that photo shoot. And they find, you know, she found out she and Roy essentially found out from that SD card and from talking to the photographer that Rebecca was responsible and hired that photographer to get those photographs. So she essentially threatens Rebecca at the end saying, either you tell Ted what happened, come clean, as she says, or she's going to. And that's the the ending. That's the cliffhanger for this episode. Oh, yeah. I was like, I got chills there. I was like, what? What's going to happen? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just, you can't leave that, that you can't leave that episode without a little bit of tension there. And, um, and that's what it left me with for sure. Yeah. And if it had ended with the high boss, you know, on the field, that would have been such a nice way to end maybe a season or something where it just ends mm-hmm. on a high note, but I, clearly a show like this wants to keep you hooked. They want you to keep coming back for the next episode. And this clearly keeps you coming back because you want to yeah. know what's going to happen next. Yep. Something interesting in that we talked about before where there's no wasted scenes, that little bit of funny that we get from Roy stealing the SD card and throwing it at Aquila's and look, our first date, you know, pictures of our first date, such a throwaway moment, but it becomes pivotal when we find out, Oh, wow. Now this brings something to light. So what you think is normally just like something that just doesn't matter. It does. It comes it back. Does, yeah. Rebecca's face at the end of this is priceless. I have that face or I've had that face when I was a kid. I did something, was caught, and I tried to lie about it. My body goes cold. And I remember there were times almost when my mom or my dad, my dad, my mom would say almost those exact same things. Don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. And don't try to tell me you didn't know about this. I mean, I was getting that feeling. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's bringing back childhood memories of like, I've got to come clean. Yeah. There's no talking her way out of this. Yes. Yeah. She's, she's caught red handed. No right. questions. Yeah. So we've got two episodes to get this resolved. That's Cause we right. know it's going to come out. It's going to come out from Rebecca or it's going to come out from Keely. So how's it going to flow? Well, we don't know, but we've got two episodes to figure it out. Yeah. And that will wrap up this episode of original series. Adam, what is coming up? Well, on the next episode, episode nine, of season one of Ted Lasso, we uh, are going to watch. All, it's called All Apologies. Looking that up now, I have no idea. All Apologies. Well, I guess these characters all have done bad things, and maybe it's time <laughs> that they all apologize. That could be it. I think it's also. Uh, I want to say it's a Nirvana song. Well, and the end credits also on this episode, the Diamond Dogs, the song by David Bowie plays. That's right. So maybe we'll maybe we'll get get the song. Obviously, we will not get the band because the you know. Yeah. The late Kurt Cobain will not be with him, but no. <laughs> maybe we'll get to hear uh, all apologies. Yeah, that's my best Nirvana. I can't, you know, that's all I can do. <laughs> Sorry. Better than me. <laughs> we have our talents. Yeah. <laughs> Those are not them. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and joining this conversation. I'm Patch. He's Adam. And we are out of here.